0: Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from March 7th by Pastor Randy, titled, Who's Your One? Part Two. Okay, for me, growing up, missions was when the missionary would come to our church on Sunday nights. Not Sunday mornings. For some reason, they didn't show up on Sunday mornings. The pastor, I don't think, would let them show up on Sunday mornings. But they would let them show up on Sunday nights, and they'd have their projector. Anybody have those times? Okay, grow up like that. And they'd show you pictures. You know, here's Jill and I arriving at the airport in Africa. You know, here's Joe getting jacked over the Jeep by an angry rhino and, and things like that. But as I matured later on, as I evolved... I discovered that missions, it wasn't just for a few. It was meant to be for us all. That we all had an obligation and not just an obligation. We had a command to to go out and and share the gospel, to to find a one. We all had a command. But I want you to hear this very clearly. My goal is to not make you feel guilty when it comes to, to, to finding a one. I want you to be Equipped. I want you to be encouraged. I want you and your motor for finding a one, I want it to go past an obligation. I want it to go past being a command. I want it to go to it's a privilege. Because I believe that if you're connected to God, Then trying to find somebody else to connect them to God won't be a burden to you. It will be a joy. Because I believe that most all of you in here, you would love to see an explosion of people coming and being connected to God. I think most of you in here, you have friends, you have loved ones that your desire to see them connected to God. That's what's behind who's your one. And I believe that God has a one for every one of you in here. I believe that it is within your, we want to call it your DNA today. It's within your DNA to have a one. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that? Let's look at Scripture today. Let's start off in Acts. Chapter 1, after he suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God. This is talking about Jesus after his resurrection. And when disciples here are talking about seeing Jesus, they're not talking like, oh, I think that was Elvis. No, they actually met with Jesus. They ate with him, They, they drank with him, they slept with him and heard him teach about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And then they ask this question. So when they come together, they ask him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Now, I suggest you this was not a good question because they're talking about restoring a social order. That's not where Jesus is going. Jesus is not making some political changes or trying to restore a social order. Jesus is talking about them getting other people connected to him. So then we read this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, they thought Jesus was going to snap his fingers and it was going to happen. That all of a sudden, everybody's going to be connected to him. Jesus says, no, 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 that's not how this is going to happen. The way it's going to be happening is that you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to find the one and you're going to get that person connected to me. And they thought, it's just for us, it's just for our little group. Jesus said, no, 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 this is for the whole world. This is for everybody. And then Pentecost happened. And when Pentecost happened and the Holy Spirit came down and began to indwell the believers, all of a sudden, finding a one became part of their DNA. That was who they were as a people. All right, so let's have a test this morning. Five questions, 20 points apiece. Let's see how well you do. Why did God part the Red Sea? Don't say get to the other side. (laughs) You can just just talk these to yourself if you want, or you can scream and answer if you'd like. Here's the next question. Why did God deliver Goliath into David's hands? Okay, why did God deliver Daniel from the lions? Number four, why did Jesus drive the money changers out of the temple? Okay, finish this verse. This is King James for some of you people, okay? Finish this verse. Be still. Oh, well, you came close. You came close. Okay, first question. Why did God part the Red Sea? For Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, just as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which you dried it before us until we had crossed over. This is so. Here's the reason that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty so that you may always fear the Lord forever, so that the whole world would know that there's a God. Next question, why did God deliver Goliath into David's hands? Today the Lord will hand you over to me. Today I'll strike you down, remove your head, and give you the corpses of the Philistines' camp to the birds of the sky and the wild creatures of the earth. As your teenager, you love memorizing that verse. Then all the world will know that Israel has a God. Then the purpose, the reason, so all the world would know. Why did Daniel get delivered from the lion's den? Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, language, who live on the whole earth, may your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs, wonders in the heavens and on earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the time of 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 Darius during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So the whole world would know. He gave a decree to all people everywhere that there's only one God, Daniel's God. So why did Jesus cleanse the temple? They came to Jerusalem and he went into the temple and began to throw out those buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the main changers and the chairs of those selling doves and would not permit anyone to carry goods to the temple. He was teaching them, saying, while he's doing this, he's telling them, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it to a den of thieves. The purpose was, people were supposed to come here from all the nations, a place for everybody. Last one. Be still and know that I am God. There we go. And I'll be exalted among nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. See, God has a world on his heart. And he always has. Don't read the Bible and think that God didn't become a Christian until the New Testament. Okay, Jesus didn't come to change God's mind. He came to reveal it. And he came to show us that God has always had a world on his heart. So we're going to read through Psalm 96, part of it anyway, the first 10 verses. And as we read through this, I have highlighted uh, on here for, for you, I think you, see, you may not see it on the screen at home, but I have highlighted for you words that emphasize the, the global nature of, of what the psalmist is talking about. Okay, So Psalm 96, sing a new song to the Lord, let the whole earth, Whole earth, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Proclaim His salvation from from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations and His wonders among all peoples. Now, wherever in the Bible you see peoples with an S on it, instead of just people, it's talking about people groups, ethnic groups. So you see, you have we have nations that divide people. We have national lines that divide people but sometimes you can have the same ethnic group and they're living in this nation some the same ethnic group is living in the other nation and sometimes you have nations with three or four or five or even more different people groups in them china has a lot of different people groups within its borders and so whenever you see the word peoples in the bible and it's plural it's talking about ethnic groups groups of people not just national lines For the Lord is great and highly praised. He is feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, you families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord glory of his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Let the whole earth tremble before him. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. He judges the peoples fairly. And all through here, we see his emphasis on this is not just for a few. This is for the whole world. God has a world on his heart. Always has and always will. And also, there's a big emphasis in this psalm on there being just one God. Let's go back to verse 5. For all gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord has made the heavens. And when he is talking about being idols, he's not talking about there's different gods, they're just not all equal. He's not saying there's a lot of gods and our God is bigger than your God. The word idols doesn't carry the the, the meaning of they're just not all equal. It carries the meaning of they're non-existent. So we don't sing, there's a bunch of gods, and our God is greater than your God. We sing, there's only one God. We have this verse in, in 1 Corinthians 8 about eating food sacrificed to idols. Then we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no God but one. And so what he's saying is that, look, there's just one God. And if there's one, just one God, shouldn't all the people be connected to him? Shouldn't they all know who he is? Back in 1988, World Series, the Dodgers are playing, and their pitcher, Earl Hirschhauser, is pitching. The final game in the World Series. While he's pitching and while he's in the dugout between the innings, the camera would go over there to the dugout and show him, and his lips would be moving. I still, I still remember watching this game in my younger days. Many of you weren't born back then, but I still remember watching this game. And his lips would be moving. And so Bob Costas asked him after the game, because they, they won the World Series. Bob Costas asked him after the game, what were you saying to yourself in the dugout? And he goes, I was singing to keep myself calm. And so the next night, he's on a Johnny Carson show. And all you under 30 need to ask your parents what Johnny Carson show is, or ask somebody a lot older. But he's on a Johnny Carson show. And Johnny Carson says to him, says, were you humming to yourself? He goes, No, I was singing. And the crowd starts getting excited. The audience starts getting excited. And, and, and her shout, she goes, I'm not singing. And Johnny Carson, says, Oh yes, you are. You're gonna sing what you were singing in the dugout. And so back and forth just a little bit. Then oral he clears his throat and he goes, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And the audience broke out to sustain applause. And see, that's what we're to be about. But he's letting people know there's one true God. He alone is worthy of worship. So there's three phrases I want to take out of this psalm we just read. Declare His glory among the nations. Let the whole earth tremble before Him and say among the nations. Do you realize how politically incorrect that psalm is today? That we are to go to other people and tell other people, you know, your faith, your belief, your religion, just chunk it. Just get rid of it. Come and worship the one true God. This psalm addresses probably the one barrier that keeps so many people from finding a one. But but this psalm also answers the question, why should we spend our time, our money, our effort and go to somebody who's not even asking for our help, not even asking for our input and tell them in some cases they need to totally disregard their worldview. Maybe even disregard their own culture. Maybe even turn their back on their whole family and come worship the one true God with us. Why should we do that? Why should we even care? Why should we want to do that? Uh, Why why not just leave everybody alone? The answer to that is in this psalm, but the answer is also in in one of my favorite passages. It's in Titus. Let me give you a little background about Titus. Paul begins talking to the Jerusalem leaders of the church. This is a couple of years after the resurrection. He's talking to them and saying, you know, this message about Jesus, I don't think it's just for us. I think it's for everybody. I think we ought to leave here and go tell everybody about the gospel. Cool. I think. I still hear it. Okay. Okay just technical difficulties online okay we're kind of sounding kind of funny in here all right we're back to normal did you get me off reverb <laughs> you were playing with that weren't you yeah okay <laughs> you got caught <laughs> all right so everything that that Jeremy was saying about scott earlier he he just lost a little he just stepped at a level about earlier than what he said all right So Paul's telling the Jewish leaders, I think this is for everybody. And And they conferred and they said, I think you're right. Go tell them, Paul. We're staying here in Jerusalem. So Paul said, fine. So he leaves on a missionary journey. He starts planting churches all over what we now call Europe. And he comes to the town where Titus lives. And he tells Titus and he tells others, look, Jesus died, buried, and rose again. So you can be connected to God and you can be connected to the one God through Jesus Christ. And Titus says, I'm in. Then Paul is getting ready to leave to go somewhere else. And Titus says, Paul, I want to go with you. I want to tell others uh, about Jesus Christ. Paul says, you need to understand, Jesus is not an emotional neutral topic. When I tell people about the gospel, a lot of times I wind up in jail, stone, Beaten, thrown out of town. You know, you might not want to do this, Tyson. He says, I'm in. So he goes with Paul. They wind up in Crete. And they're, they're, they're planning churches in Crete. And now Paul's getting ready to leave now in Crete and go somewhere else. But Paul turns to Titus and says, look, I want you to stay here in Crete because there are some people who still need to be connected to God. They, they haven't matured yet. They haven't chosen a one yet. They haven't come to that point where they're connected to God. You need to stay here and help build this church up. I'm going somewhere else. So Paul goes somewhere else. And when he winds up to the next place, he writes a letter back to Titus. And we have that letter in our Bible, and it's called Titus. You know it's not very original. You know a lot of the names aren't very original those days, but that's what we have. But in this letter, Paul tells us why we should be about finding a one. Okay, here's what he says: Titus two eleven. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Let me tell you about all people. All people have a knowledge of God. All people have a knowledge of God. Romans 1 says God's divine nature and His eternal power is so clearly revealed in creation that it takes a deliberate act of suppression to deny it. All people have a knowledge of God. But let me tell you something else about all people from Romans chapter 1. All people have denied that knowledge of God because we're born with a sinful nature and we have all chosen to worship the creature rather than the creator. So all people have a knowledge of God, but all people have denied God and there are no innocent people, nowhere. Listen to Romans chapter three, what then? Are we better off? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Gentiles are all under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away and all alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Do you see the the universal part of that? No one, not even one. No one is righteous. Not even close. So this begs the question, what about people who die who've never heard about Jesus? What happens to the innocent person in that remote part of China that never heard about Jesus? What happens to that innocent guy in that remote part of of India or remote, remote part of Africa or somewhere else who's never heard about Jesus? Well, if he's innocent, he'll go to heaven. But the problem is, That guy doesn't exist. There are no innocent people in remote parts of China or anywhere else in the world. They're all guilty. No one, no one is righteous, not a one. Every one of them are guilty before God. Here's what we read in in chapter 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks of those who are subject to To the law, so that every mouth may be shut and the whole world may become subject to God's judgment. See, here's here's what that's saying it's saying, look, all people are condemned whether or not they heard about Jesus because they're condemned because they rejected God. Doesn't matter if they heard about Jesus or not, they've already rejected God. So, some people think that people who haven't heard about Jesus, they're going to somehow get a pass. And they're going to get to go to heaven because they never, had, they never heard about Jesus. If that's the case, what's the worst thing we can do? Is tell people about Jesus, right? Because if they get a pass because they haven't heard about Jesus, they're going to go to heaven. That's the worst thing we do is tell them about Jesus. Because if we, if we go and to somebody and we tell them about Jesus, well, before they heard about Jesus, they were going to heaven. Now, if we tell them about Jesus, now they may reject Jesus, and now they may go to hell. Thank you, Grandview Baptist Church, for coming to China and telling people about Jesus. Suppose you go to the rescue or to the SEMA's mission, and you're there working that this summer. Some guy walks in, you strike up a conversation, and you ask him, have you ever heard about Jesus? And he says, no. You have a choice at that point. You can tell him about Jesus, but he might reject Jesus and go to hell. So maybe you need to tell him, look, if anybody tries to tell you about Jesus, just put your fingers in your ears nah, 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 and run as fast as you can. Because right now you're going to heaven, but, but if they tell you about Jesus, you might go to hell. Many profession Christians just become overwhelmed and I feel the emotion of that that there are a million people millions of people who are going to die and go to hell because they never heard about Jesus I understand the emotion behind that 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 drives them to think that somehow they get a pass that God in his love and mercy is going to somehow say to them look you still get to go to heaven because you never heard about Jesus But where that puts us is saying this, Jesus, thank you for what you did for coming and dying, but I would have been okay fine without you. If I just never heard about you, I'd be just fine because God's merciful. Scripture will not let you go there for one thing, but do you realize if you never heard about Jesus, you're condemned already. That's why you need to hear about Jesus because you're already condemned. That's why you have to have a Savior and need to hear about him in the first place. See, what we're on is not so much of a rescue mission as is a reality mission. Because one day the scrolls of heaven are going to be peeled back and people are going to see God just as he is. And they're going to know there's only one God. And the sooner you line your life up with that reality, the better off you'll be. So in Titus, he tells us the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Everybody. So the reason we need to find a one is not only because God has a world on his heart for all people, but there's another reason. The next verse in Titus, he talks about this grace that has appeared is what he's talking about. It's also instructing us to deny godliness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. Because not only is the gospel for all people is why we should have a one, but it's because it can transform people's lives. We should have a one because it can make a difference. It can make people whose lives are filled with sin and filled with all the ugliness of this world. It's all around us and it can transform their lives and it can change them from the inside out. So not only do we find a one because God has a world on his heart, it's for all people, not only because it has the power to transform people's lives, but also because this next part of the verse, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. It has the opportunity to transform people's eternity. Now all of a sudden their whole eternity has changed because of the gospel. We must be about... Connecting people to God because we believe He is the only way to heaven. Suppose you go to the airport to fly out. And you walk in, as you're walking in to to check in your bags over there, you glance over at at the the security line, the line to go through security, the TSA line, and you look and you go, wow, there's people packed all the way out. I'm not going to make my plane. Because we are pretty safe. You know, you can get there you know, 45 minutes before your plane leaves, and you're probably going to be all right. But you came an hour early, but now the line's way well, You know, there's no way you're going to make it. But then somebody comes on the loudspeaker, and he says, you know it's a long line at the security. And you think you might miss your plane, but that's okay. Don't worry. All these planes are going to the same place. So just... Go through security. Don't have any worries. And when you get through security, just hop on a plane, any plane you want. You can choose your plane due to the color, due to the make or model of it. You can choose your plane about what's closest to, to, to the McDonald's there or, or closest down to the B concourse or whatever you want. They're all going through the same place. Get on the same plane your friends are getting on if you want to. They are all going to the same place. But if I come up to you or somebody comes up to you and says, you know what? You need to check your gate. And make sure that your plane hasn't changed gates. Make sure you got the right gate and you're on the right plane. Because if you want to go to Hawaii during spring break, you got to get on the right plane. You're not going to go, oh, I can't believe that. You're so narrow-minded. What would make you think i got to be on the, the one plane to go to the right plane? You're not going to say that. You're going to say, duh, of course I know that. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. See, God's very specific about how to get to heaven, right? There's only one way. If Jesus was who he said he was, it makes sense that there's only one way to, to heaven. And that's through him. There's going to be a party one day, guys. And it's going to be a great party. It's going to be so good, and you're going to wish you got there a lot sooner. It's going to be great. And your ability to enjoy that party is going to be based on how well you share God's heart. See, because there's going to be different rewards and different stuff going on in heaven. It's not like we're all equal there. We'll all be in heaven, and you think, well, that's just enough for me. But, oh, no, you want to be there and and known that here you share God's heart. You, there's, there's gonna be, it's a celebration going on. You want to be a part of that. Don't, I don't want you to get involved in this that we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks because you feel guilty or you feel drummed up about it. I want you to get involved because, because it's part of your DNA. See, I've met better missionaries, and they're no fun. I've met a lot of bitter missionaries, and they're no fun to be. I don't want that to be you. I want you to realize that when the Holy Spirit came inside of you, you begin to share that life of God within you, and God has a world on his heart. And there are people on your street where you work at, who you just meet. They're on God's radar screen, and God's just hoping they'll be on yours. So what we began talking about last week is getting every one of us to find a one, one person, one person that you can pray for and begin to disciple to get them connected to God. That person may be a complete agnostic or atheist, or he just may not believe, or that person, he may be a Christian, but he's just just not really connected to God the way he should be. Whatever process they are, if step five is getting you connected to God, they may be at a negative five, they may be at a zero, they may be at a three, but find that one person that you can focus on to get connected to God. And my desire is to help equip you and encourage you to do that. So here up front and there in the back, one tool you can use is this right here. It's a prayer guide to help you pray for your One. Because you may know not may not know what to pray for them, so you go through here, and for thirty days it gives you it just helps guide you into prayers. You can pray for your one. Uh, 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 let's see, call uh, I well. Let me get back to the first one here. I'm trying to. Uh, I didn't plan this one, of course, very well. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, god you called me to pursue in order to have opportunity to speak about why my life is different uh and god help me to speak to that to, to this person it, it just it goes through god give me courage and boldness to call blank to, to have faith in christ uh, uh father blank needs a new heart you know you're the only one that can change your heart uh and, and long for that it just goes through and gives you uh, there's two of these on each page for for different days there's Well, four on the whole open page, but they're just very short, just to help give you a tool to use, to use to pray for your one. To emphasize two things real quick before we close. Number one, I do not, do not want you to feel pressured and guilted into this. But I also want you to realize that if you're connected to God, but you're not trying to connect other people to God, then you're really not connected to God because connecting people to him, that's his heart. And the only way he's chosen to do that is through us. That's plan A. There is no plan B. Somebody has to go to another person and talk to them and share them and speak to them and be praying for them. You have to go out if you're going to plant churches. Paul said, we got to leave here. we got to tell other people. You can't stay in Jerusalem and expect the church to pop up in Macedonia. You have to do something. And you can't just stay doing your routine and expect your neighbor, your friend, your relative to get connected to God. You've got to invest in this to share God's heart. So if you haven't already... And, and I'm going to be asking you to you know to write this thing down uh, coming after the weeks because we're going to be going through this for several more weeks who is your one who are they who you will pray for and begin to disciple to get them connected to God and like last week I said maybe you're in here and you need you need to be somebody's one you need somebody to come along and and, and adopt you and say hey I need somebody to Pray for me and stop me so that I can get connected to God. You may be there. But wherever you're at, I want you to know God has a world on his heart. He's got ones on his heart. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, that became part of your DNA. And you need to begin to live that out. To live it out. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.